Okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, in the past, we have talked in some episodes about how uh, we're influenced by other people, um, usually people in authority, uh, because, well, sometimes we're dependent on them, like a, a child is with a parent. Uh, sometimes we believe we're dependent on them, like we are with governments and uh, government institutions. Uh, and today we want to talk about what happens when that trust is abused. Um, what kind of person does that? Uh, what kind of person does that happen to? And how unconscious do these things uh, happen? Uh, because I have a theory <laughs> that I'll get to later. Um, but for now, um, Steve and I just want to give you the disclaimer that we're no experts on this kind of stuff, uh, neither in the academic sense nor, nor in the sense that we've we've talked to lots of people about this. Um, we just have some of our own experience, which are not vast, but we like to talk about these things and uh, and help each other with with our uh, experience and our thoughts and our ideas. And if those things can help you as well, then even better. Yep. Um, but just putting all these things into words uh, themselves help me uh, because I don't ever script these episodes. I just think of a few things and we might use them, we might not. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about it. So it's again, it's organic. We just, and you know, again, we've talked about it before where it can lead to a bit of chaos and we go down different tangents. But you know what? That's nice sometimes just to have that open level of discussion where we can just go down those things and we try to bring it back, as you know. But if not, it's fine. We just have this discussion and it's good and it's, it doesn't need to be too um, regimented. Okay. So to start out with, Steve, I asked you, or I'm going to ask you now again. Um, yeah. What do you know about complex PTSD? So in case someone doesn't know, PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, a very well-known disorder. Um, but what is the complex version of it? So I did a little bit of research um, because it's something that I don't actually, I don't think I've really ever heard of the complex side of things. Like mm -hmm. you hear of PTSD all the time. Um, so... I looked up a couple of videos this morning just to kind of have a, a browse. And if I'm honest, I didn't couldn't figure out in, from these videos the actual difference between PTSD and complex PTSD. Like, okay. I, I guess from the word complex, it's more complex. <laughs> um, but uh, I was a bit like, well, this is just what I've assumed PTSD actually is. So uh -huh. well, give us some reference first uh, and tell us what is PTSD. Well, again, yeah, that's a post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it's, yes, so you've had a trauma, a traumatic experience, so something that has, whether it's abuse, childhood abuse, um, been held hostage, um, <laughs> had parents that are, like, cruel, you know, there's, there's a, even things like being at the workplace and being tr mistreated for years can, you know, it can lead to um, being a trauma traumatic experience. And then it's obviously post-traumatic, so it's what happens afterwards. It's what the, what's mm -hmm. occurring 
to you as an individual, to me as an individual, to us as individuals, um, as a result of that trauma and what how that expresses itself. Right. And that can express itself in a number of different things. Um, again, they talked about dissociation, talked about um, like kind of relapsing into um, reliving those moments when something triggers it. Um, they talked about how complete changing of the brain, like almost like a what, like it can rewire your brain mm. um, because of the trauma, basically. And uh, the obvious one, I guess, is suppression. Like you, you, um, the brain and body, uh, it's all, you know, it's all part of the same thing ultimately, um, protects itself. It's there to protect itself. Like if these experiences are going to damage you and your ability to do things, often it just, buries it but that okay. isn't or, or like that short term that's okay you know that you know you don't have to deal with it but then again it's still there it still manifests itself through different ways um like sometimes lashing out behavior angry behavior like again depending on the individual sometimes it, it is uh you know um i guess running away behavior like flight or fight mm -hmm. scenarios um, and then you wouldn't know why because you've suppressed those things. So it's again in itself is very complex, but I'm not sure what next level that is it, it becomes to make it then see PTSD. Yeah, a, a common <clears throat> scenario that that I always associate PTSD with is uh, military service. Okay. Um, yeah, that's well. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. And and from what I heard the. What used to be called shell shock is now called PTSD, yeah. and it ha it's had several names over the years. Um, but you know, um, scientists keep renaming these things. Um, yeah, or it might not be the exact same thing. But uh, uh, many many soldiers uh, are traumatized uh, in war, and then come home and bring the war home, basically. You know, yeah. and then uh, I don't know exactly how it changes their lives. I assume they um they try to recreate the order that they had in the military under duress i mean under uh, difficult situations and you know try to command their family <laughs> or um their their co-workers i don't know these kinds of things um it just manifests itself in different ways doesn't it yeah and yeah, I I didn't <clears throat> I didn't hear about complex PTSD until recently. Um, the Wikipedia article goes into the question: What is the difference between PTSD yep. and the complex version? And uh, what I remember from that is basically that the complex version takes place over many years. <clears throat> it's a prolonged, consistent um, state of traumatization whereas ptsd is more short-term and so yeah i was i was wondering also where do you draw the line uh because yeah. a, a war service can go on for years yeah <laughs> but um i want to talk about the possibility of there being very subtle uh traumatization going on in all of society and, and this is where we get into speculation, um, more so than usual, because this is just 
um again how would you quantify it and how would you figure it out so yeah so um it's that's very difficult but like chatting and discussing it i guess is a step close to that thing where we can see um and highlight potential aspects to society which actually is very traumatic that there might be a a continuous trauma situation happening to most of society like i call like i've used the term before but i call a lot of what the younger generation are going through now is in the psychic war like their psyche Mm -hmm. their like brains are being bombarded with like so much information so much different um like almost abuse like again it's like of how they're supposed supposed to be you know the last episode we published was the shoulds and shouldn'ts and like how you should be doing things and how you should look and how you should behave that is that is abuse like not giving people the freedom to be able to express themselves or feel that they as an individual are accepted or loved because they don't fit into what should be the right way that's abuse like that's a traumatic experience and you know everyone's different so everyone can kind of a lot of people just be like ignore it blah blah but for those of us that are more emotionally (laughs) sensitive that can actually be yeah hugely damaging right yeah I, I think I am more sensitive than others to this kind of uh, signal. Um, I was just reminded that um, Freud said um, when you, like in your formative years, I mean, I mean, there are many of them, but the very early ones, um, you incorporate the messages from authority figures into your uh, superego. And they what is something like a conscience um and then that stays with you for the rest of your life and i I guess that's why many people are still trying to please their parents even on even when the parents might already be dead um things like that that's that's an interesting thing actually yeah i mean yeah the constant state to yeah so you no longer have someone over you telling you that you did something wrong or you that you need to change something. It's inside of you now. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a dialogue that many people aren't even aware of that is happening. Yeah. So uh in, on this show we like to talk about awareness a lot. And I think that's that's a super important um step that you can take to even just become aware of the voice or voices in your head. Yeah, and they're not usually well. And for me, they're not articulate. They're they're not well, sounds yeah, impulse, or words. Yes, yeah, impulses and behaviors, aren't they? Yeah, that we've been programmed potentially to need to obey. And, and again, usually, a, lot comes, a lot of it comes from fear. Well, again, it's fear. We usually don't from... notice the the messaging or the the impulses that you say until it becomes physical. You know, so why are my shoulders tight? Why am I? Um, having uh, digestive problems and then this is the very last stage of, of the whole chain of events that happens inside of you without you noticing um, but you can become aware of them and then you can with time and effort uh, learn to change them and then you can turn an inner critic into an inner champion uh, that's that's what I'm working towards um, you know how when you are starting to walk, everyone is on your side and excited for you. And when you fail, 
they say, oh, I'll just try again. And when <laughs> they're patient with you and they encourage you and they're excited with you when you do have little successes. But later in life, when you when you try to achieve things, uh, um, like, for example, building your own business, people will be, um, I don't know what the word is. They, Cynical and critical. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be just the opposite. Yeah. They're, they'll say things like, oh, don't do that. It doesn't work. Or it's, it's too risky or, yeah, again, fierce. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, oh, anyway, to get back to complex PTSD. Um, so I think there are many factors that can make it complex. Um, so like I said, the, the the number of events or the, the duration of yeah. the, the trapped uh, situation that you find yourself in being treated badly or like just being kept from unfolding your potential for long periods of time and and being kept from establishing the awareness necessary to free yourself from that uh we, you no one other than yourself can can free yourself from it so even though you're not responsible for being in the that trap you are responsible for escaping it yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a real tough one. Like that is, like, I guess the biggest hurdle for most people with it because it's easier to just be like, "Oh, I'm fine. It's okay." To then confront and face the trauma. It by doing that, you experience the trauma again. Like you have to, you almost have to experience it again to then work through it. Um, yeah, and that only really is triggered by when you go, when you, you like, well, consciously triggered um, by if you actually, you know, face it and start to work through it. And again, this, you know, as we say, we're not academics, we're not uh, professionals. You know, there's many different ways to work through these things um, with professionals in a way that is safe and healthy. Uh, again, it can be done ourselves, obviously, but again, it's it's that can actually be very risky at times, depending on the you know the trauma. So, you know, I guess a disclaimer that mm. if you know if you are wondering if you're struggling from uh, PTSD in any way, um, again, maybe consult professionals, try and get help, um, and have support while doing it, while working through it, because there it mm. is out there, and even just friends, even just a friend to talk to about it and stuff that will understand. It's very important to have these things and not just. I guess not just open up the the wounds without any sort of uh, safety nets because that can be dangerous. Um, yeah, support is vital and helpful, but there comes a time when you need to differentiate: Am I becoming yep. dependent on my support? Yep. yep. Or is this actually going towards independence? Yeah. And some steps you do need to take on your own. No, I agree. Um, when I was a child, I went to a farm with a school class and watched a sheep being shorn. And that was fun to watch. Um, but the sheep was uncomfortable. It didn't yeah. want to go through that. It was in a in a compartment, um, you know, with wooden walls, just maybe to the height of the sheep itself. Yeah. Um, and and on one one side there was a swinging wooden door <clears throat> to let the sheep in and i asked the 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 farmer or the, you know the people shearing it um why doesn't the sheep try to escape 
it, it's obviously it obviously doesn't want to be here and they said um it thinks that it can't it thinks that it's trapped you know they didn't have to hold it down or have any con constraints for it just this enclosure was enough for it to remain calm and endure the the shearing and i said but the door swings really easily it, it could just run out and they said it's enough for the sheep to see the door as a wall it doesn't understand that it's on a hinge and it's yeah. easy it's easy to push against and so it believes that it's trapped and that is enough for it to stay in place and undergo this procedure and so we cannot escape a prison until we realize that we are in one and that we realize that we can, oh, yeah, that we have so to believe let, that we can escape it. Let's try to explain what kind of prison we might be talking about. And this is very subjective. This is different for everyone. Um, you might think that we're exaggerating. Um, I always try to be careful when I listen to conspiracy theorists um, about what might be going on. Uh, because it can trigger a fear in me and lead me to actions that are just not proportionate to the actual danger. Um, but but then again, a, an imagined fear or an imagined danger is is very real. Yeah. So it's it's not to be taken lightly either. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a way, all. all... As I say, all fear is imagined. No, that's the wrong. Um, all fear is perceived, I guess, and mm -hmm. therefore the response may take place, but it's up to us, I guess, our conscious state to be able to be like, no, that like to try and get control over it and just be like, or process it in a healthier way to rationalize it. And again, that's complex in itself to try and get to that stage in life. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's so easy. For, it's so easy for again these fears to, to i guess take control or have a traumatic like um outcome because there yeah. there are physical dangers yep that we can't deny um so when you're in danger of being um hurt or killed but um oh i'm, I'm reminded of a quote by gandhi um, I don't care if you slowly kill me over decades or, or shoot me. That It's still the same violence. And so I believe that there is subtle violence going on, uh, that it's very hidden, um, but that a lot of it happens inside our heads. Yeah. Uh, so... <sighs> We need to become aware of it so that we can change it. But but where's the crossover? Where does the influencing happen so that we get these messages from the outside and then repeat them to ourselves over and over and thereby keeping the fear alive and the imaginary danger real to ourselves? What kind of messages can do this to us? Good question. Um, I guess when I go to always go to his body image, I, do, I, I probably talk about that a lot mm -hmm. where it's like, I see around me just how many people that I know 
have very unhealthy perspectives on their bodies because that's what they're told constantly that's what they're constantly that's the attack that's the um, messages they're getting given from people that want to make money ultimately people that want to make money through fad diets through um uh like uh what other things like clothing i guess it's and the need for happiness through the material things so if you feel depressed um then it's like because of your body or something then you'll 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 want to go and buy something because that makes what you makes you happy like you get that but that, that oh i've got something nice for myself there's something good um that's a common thing that happens in society at the moment and there's an attack as you say it's an attack on our well-being and our perspective and again it's constant it's disgusting how it's not even subtle anymore like we know it exists we see it every day how again media and everything just try to traumatize people basically like that's what we're talking about like people have trauma tra uh, trauma related um responses or just trauma inside them because of these things and i'm constantly just having to like be like uh no like that image that you're have been shown is a false perspective you like everybody's everybody well everybody's <laughs> body is different like it's supposed to be and that in itself is beautiful like and there's no like reason ultimately why we should think differently but again we're programmed over from the from day one um like to perceive ourselves even from parents and stuff like parents is a massive one actually to be fair the amount of people that i know whose parents like constantly comment on their even like how they look their weight their clothing whatever as if that parent has a right to say that kind of thing that authority figure has a right to um judge their children or other people's children or whatever on their their looks or what they wear bizarre yeah these things distract us from uh us discovering who we are yeah um and what actually mm, gives us value uh and wayne dyer put it like this um you so what are what kind of distractions are there you you gave some examples and we can categorize them more broadly um what i have defines me um what i have achieved defines me so things like money fame uh, promotions and um how other people perceive me what other people think about me defines me uh i think that's how we all grow up yeah. i I've often been afraid of what other people think uh, about me when I speak, like when I explain something. So I guess that means I have identified myself with my intellect and my, I don't know, an, an appearance of authority in an intellectual way. Uh, you talked about image. So people identify with what other people think about them when they see their body and ho Hollywood does a lot to yeah. manipulate us into believing that that is the standard 
and you are less than the standard i don't know yeah and they don't even have to do it explicitly actually i yeah, think it's it's more insidious if it's not explicit yeah because it's repetitive it is subtle you know i try as much as possible to stay away from commercials because yeah. i have learned that repetition <clears throat> is is a very effective way of forcing a message into your subconscious and once it's there, you have a lot less control over it, you know, uh, over getting rid of it. Yeah, it's so hard to get rid of it once it gets embedded. And so I think that's, that's one reason that ads are repeated in the same form over and over for months. You know, they're not many different versions on them to keep you interested. No, <laughs> they're the same over and over to hammer it in. Yeah. Okay, uh, next, let's talk about... Uh, the influence of governments on us, yeah, but in the indirect way. So, you know, I don't have a lot to do with with government um, or you know state wide organizations directly. But what messages do we get told about them when we're young? The police is there to protect us. Yeah. Doctors are there to heal us. Taxes are there to fund these things and make them available to people who can't afford them as much. Um, in Germany, this is called solidarity. Um, what else? Politicians are there to make decisions on our behalf. Yeah, so you're supposed to represent. So that we're not so busy and bogged down with with politics and and this big decision making, so that we can yeah. concentrate on what's important to us. And often we don't even need to hear the reasons behind them because we just think, oh, I'm so busy with my own job and my own family. I'm glad to hand over these responsibilities to someone else. Voting makes sure that only good people get to make decisions on our behalf. Um, you know, stuff like that. And where did we yeah. hear them? By, from school teachers? From parents? Good question. I guess mostly... it's, it's so long ago that I'm not even sure anymore, but, the, yeah. but I do have these beliefs inside of me. And only in the last few years have I started to question them. Yeah, like, it. that's a really interesting question because it, it's like, it's just there. You just know that you're supposed to vote. You're supposed to have your voice heard that way. Um, yeah, I guess like I've never been massively like involved in politics again, and that's that's just, that's an interesting way they I guess influence us is to be like, oh, it's just politics. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, you're not supposed to get involved. You're just supposed to participate. Yeah, and keep the legitimacy up. Yeah. Um, I remember my off. mother telling me that if I don't go to school, the policeman will come to her house. <laughs> and I don't know if, uh, I think eventually they might. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Again, same here. But first, there there would be calls and letters, of course. Of course, there'd be social workers involved and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that that message just tells me there is a law and 
you are a bad person if you don't live by it. Yeah. And we equate le mm, legitimacy with legality or even morality. Yes. Like if, if it's law, therefore it's right, yeah. which is totally obviously wrong. Like I didn't realize that so we've got a lot of, obviously, a lot of strikes going on recently in this country and currently, um, which I'm all for and have massive respect and love for those that are doing it at the moment. But I didn't realize that there was, um, I guess in the 80s under Thatcher, there's a trade union law which stops all of them striking at the same time <laughs> to protect the country. And it's like, no, that just makes it more difficult for workers to get their actual rights and equality. And I, I didn't, I didn't realize I was just baffled. I was like, holy crap, how did that's disgusting that that law exists. Like, <laughs> and so these trade unions and uh, having to schedule their strikes at different times or try to make them on the same days because they can't actually do it, organize it together. They can't be organized together. It makes it more difficult to actually work together to get good, like proper pay and proper standards of work um, environment. And it's so subtle because again, most of us don't realize it. Again, I had no idea. I had no idea it was there. Like general population probably have no idea that that's how it works. Yeah, we're just told not to worry about it. That you know, again, laws, and it's under the guise of that's what's right to protect the country, like, um, so that the infrastructure doesn't collapse. Like, the infrastructure should collapse if it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's not providing the basic necessities, like heat and food and shelter for its population, which it isn't currently providing. And it shouldn't be so complicated to try and get a government to to change the laws so that actually people are protected and get, and get their rights, get human rights. Um, yeah, I, th I think that way about banks. I think if they are, if they make bad decisions with their customers' money, they should crash. Yeah. They should not, not, be... not, be, ba not be bailed out. Yeah, we don't depend on them to right. have a, a decent life or, or um, an organized society. We, we don't need them. It will change things for a while. It'll be very difficult. Yeah, but sure. it would, you know, we would find a way. But again, people are like, they're in their safety net of, again, the rich don't want to lose all their power, basically, ultimately. Yeah. And the banks don't want to lose all their power. And so they kind of hold each, they kind of like hold each other to hostage, like to ransom even, um, where, the politicians will be favored by the banks and be supported if they support them and vice versa. So, the, you know, and oh, it's just, yeah, it's like a mafia almost. I, I never, well, until recently, it was really difficult to imagine how life could, or how our financial life could be organized without banks. But then... 2009, someone decided they had enough yep. and they're smart enough to create their own financial system. Yep. And it's been growing slowly, but it's getting the attention of the entire world. Yeah. And pretty soon enough people will realize that they can be their own bank and they do not need centralized institutions to hold their money for them and to, to do to facilitate transactions. This can yeah. all be done decentralized over the internet. Yep. Well, there's talk of, again, well, it's a bit dangerous because government's still creating digital currency, but like yeah. 
there's talk this year of yeah uh, by next year the uk might have a digital pound so um we'll see but um yeah it, there is it, a way they're out. called central banks digital currencies yeah. and they would they would get rid of the need of commercial banks yeah. the individual citizen would be in direct contact with the central bank yeah. for all of their transactions so that's that's already scary but but the other implications are that you know isn't money digital already well yes mm -hmm. but when we say digital money now we mean programmable money yeah. so so that central institutions can decide how much of your money can you withdraw how much can you use for what purpose um who are you transacting with or do we need to freeze that that's already in place to a, to a degree, but yeah. it will be so much more controllable in the future. Well, again, all of all this, go back a little bit, all this comes down to uh, perceived protection, that, that we are not intelligent enough to make our own choices. And maybe we're not, but we should be allowed to. Like, that's it comes down to that in many ways. Um, we should have the freedom to yeah, make these choices ourselves. And... When, when I lived in Scotland, the, there was the the vote about whether Scotland should be a, a separate country. And I, yeah. I, I voted in favor of that. Yeah. And I also thought, you know, England is so much stronger um, economically yeah. so that Scotland heavily depends on it. And I think that that was a huge factor in many people's decision um, to stay. Yeah, there, was, there was a lot of propaganda around that if Scotland left that it would be able to survive by itself. Like there's a lot, a lot hammered into us that um it's better to, again the irony, it's better to be together. Mm -hmm. You know, the government pushed, like the UK government pushed, it's better to be together. And then we have Brexit, which they pushed for <laughs> us. We should be separate. It's better to be separate. Right. That hypocrisy and again fear, using fear in the opposite ways for their agenda it's not about they don't care about us they don't care that you know whether the individuals people wanted to stay or leave they just knew that for themselves as a government it was better for scotland to be still in the uk and, and we do see chaos because of brexit it, yes. the uk it does have a lot of new problems because of it well we've lost hundreds of billions um because of brexit like and, and i think scotland would have gone through hard times if it had separated but yes. give people a chance to to create their own solutions. Yeah. Well, they're still again they were separate from the UK, but they still be, would have been in the EU. Right. That's what's interesting. They would they they would they, they would still be in the European Union. So they still had that, uh, I guess, global connection. Um, I think I think if they separated now, they would apply to become a EU yes. member. Yeah. 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 Yep. They were very much for that. Um, because again, the there is a important line between again having independence and being separate but also again being part of the global infrastructure you know both things are important mm -hmm. um, and it depends on what things are attached to it because they they like being attached to the uk currently in the last 10 15 years the government that has been in place has not been in the same um perspectives as scotland you know scotland has barely voted the same as uh, the rest of the UK in its sort of voting. Mm -hmm. like, But yet they have to go along with whatever the rest of the countries in, in the United Kingdom um, vote for. And so they're being forced to, unfortunately, still be a part of that. 
Um, but yeah, we're, we're stuck in, yeah, they're stuck in that sort of loop at the moment. But again, going back to some of what we've talked about earlier, um, the the attacks on, I guess, people's fears is the strongest um, method of control. Mm-hmm. And we talked about more subtle worries and concerns and that sort of influence us and you know day-to-day living um has that you know we talked about the different um ways we're perceived and stuff and job job security job promotions that's hugely traumatizing for most people every day they go into work and they have these expectations put on them and usually at the moment more and responsibilities most people i know are doing their job is now the equivalent of two people's jobs a few years ago if not three people's jobs the responsibilities they've put on them the stress they've put on them they have to do the workload of what was um more people and so yeah, that stress and that it is trauma. Like it is again, because over a long period of time, it is yeah. day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, and it's no wonder people are constantly having anxiety or again PTSD. Like a lot of people start to again fear work. Like we 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 talk about like in this country, they talk about oh people are lazy, they're not wanting to work, they're not wanting to do the difficult jobs. And like it, it's disgusting because these people do want to work. They just want to work in something that you know isn't so exhausting or taxing or painful for them. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's makes you feel less of a person because you can't keep up to whatever their standard is, um, or you know what we're supposed to do. And that stops us from, I guess, being ourselves in a way. Like this mm-hmm. is something that we've talked about before, where it's important for us to our individuality, our our self, well, our self, our our being, our self esteem. Um, if it's constantly being bombarded with how we should do things, it does create trauma. It does. It makes us feel inadequate. And where we should be able to celebrate who we are and what we want to do as people. Uh, there, there's a to... plan for us for almost yeah. our entire life. Yeah. And you're expected to follow it. And and the last generation tells us about this plan uh, because they were told about it. And it kind of works, but it does keep you inside of a bubble. Um and you're distracted and, and can't discover yourself, things like that. And and this plan is, is so consistent and um, without any breaks in it. So you you grow up with your parents who tell you what is right and wrong. Then you you have a teacher around you until you're, I don't know, 18 or so. Then you need to go to university because the education before that was not enough. And you get a piece of paper at the end that without it, you, no employer would ever hire you. And then 
you look for someone to give you work and to tell you what is right and wrong. And then you work for them the rest of your life. And you're supposed to get married to get this other piece of paper and have children. Well, that, and, and some of that is, is things that we obviously want. And it's not yeah, all again, that. Of course, it's not. Again, we're not saying, yeah, that's, that's important to address, to be fair, that actually these things are um, good things. Again, it's how we perceive them ultimately. But if we want them, then cool, go for it, have them, make it like, make it take advantage that you can have these things. Again, like if you, if you can find someone to, you know, fall in love with, et cetera, or find the right sort of career path that is just one career path for your whole life or some studying, whatever you want to do. But again, it's the fact that what are you making that choice consciously because you're, it's going to lead to your happiness do you know it's going to lead to ha like do you know that you'll be happy in that environment because actually a lot of people that either go to university go into certain careers have families actually they're miserable like they are just they're resentful they're miserable they feel trapped and they deny it they tell themselves no this is good because that's the way they cope you know that that's fair, but these big choices we must make them with, um, I guess all the things we talked about in mind. Because if we make them just because we have to do this, this is just the path that I'm supposed to take. Yeah, it ends up repeating the cycle. So much unhappiness is had. So much, like, um, again, trauma through parents being indifferent or abusive. It, well, again, indifference is an abuse ultimately neglect. Um, because they don't actually want it. They just thought they wanted it. I think a big factor that, that plays into why we don't deviate from this plan is that we don't know what else there is. It's the big unknown. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's the uncertainty that, yeah. that keeps you. And, and like I said earlier, with um, learning to walk and learning to create your own business, there are it it is really uh i mean there there are people who can help you create your own business yeah but, but there's still a lot of uncertainty and um a lot of things that you have to make mistakes to learn from yeah rather than just following a plan and actually that that's often better uh more um uh in the in the long run to learn yeah. from making mistakes rather than trying to avoid mistakes in in, yeah. in, in general again like habit is safety like we are uh, routine is safety so if, mm -hmm. when you let's say for example you go self-employed or you start your business or you're in a you do a job that's nine to five and then the rest of the time is yours what do you do in that time like do you have enough resources aka money to be able to um necessarily do the things you want and i guess that's where again creativity comes in again you, you and going against the fear like I remember the first few years of like illness stuff and just be not knowing what to do. Like, because I was limiting my resources to go do things. You know, I couldn't just go, Hey, I want a new hobby to go skydiving or I want a new hobby to go like, um, fixing cars and doing them up or something like just like you need that really those resources. Um, so you have to find things that aren't involved in that, which again, I did like creative writing and drawing, et cetera. Um, you know, there are things out there that you can do um, to fulfill your like purpose. Again, purpose is massively important. Mm -hmm. um, 
and so again it's all the things we can individually balance but it's now know that we can try at least we can do it like there's so many people are doing that now where they are getting lots of different jobs just to make some money so they can go on like go traveling for three months or for a year or whatever I've got friends that you know save enough money to go to Australia to go and work over there for like a year or two and experience these things where you get to I guess do what you want to do which again to people from previous generations sounds selfish to them they're just like mm -hmm. like and again part of that might just be because they don't understand because again it wasn't what they've done and part of it might be resentful because they wish they could ultimately do that jealousy um yeah and again it's subconscious sometimes it's not necessarily active um on the surface um because we do have we're, we're lucky in many ways again we talk a lot about how trapped we are at times but we also are very lucky and fortunate no generation has ever had this amount of freedom mm -hmm. like it's an interesting um polarization i guess um in many ways we are yeah trapped and traumatized by the systems but also there are many options available to us. Um, it just takes an insane amount of energy and effort and luck mm -hmm. to be able to, because there's a chaos factor, to be able to achieve what we want as individuals. Would you go as far as to say that we are experiencing um, Stockholm Syndrome? No. You know, um, where, where people... Um, are abused by by their captors. So this this was a case in, in Sweden, um, where the captors of a, a robbery, or the hostages, um, would not um, speak out against their captors in, in court, um, apparently because they uh, shared their values or they they could put their, themselves in their shoes and, and understand why they did it, and, and so did not want to harm them um could you say that you know we've been talking about being trapped and captivated yeah. could you say that people who defend governments and royalty are in this illusion where they yeah. it's a trauma they, response yeah yeah where they believe I would, I would... It's, it's necessary and it's it's a bit painful but it's the right thing because it's there's no better alternative I would, I would, I would agree. Again, I would agree. Many people are, yeah. Again, we can't obviously kind of analyze or find out as we talked about earlier. We don't, we don't know the actual quantification of these things. But from an observational point of view, yeah. Like, um, again, in I, get, I looked up some of the Stockholm syndrome stuff as well. Again, just to refresh my mind, and how <sighs> there's different seems to be different styles of Stockholm syndrome. There seems to be that one you talked about where it's it could be it could literally just be empathy. It could just be the fact that these these people are trying to rob a bank because they need money to survive or to provide for their families or they're in debt to the mafia. I don't know, I don't know what the actual reasons were. Okay, I'm just making it up. And you can be like, okay, well, yeah, like, sure, that's um, of course they're going to do that. Or it could, you know, you could be like you're with those people, and because you're in a hostage situation, you have no freedom. You are contained. Um, the only way to kind of process it properly is to start being like connected to something. You have to be connected to something, otherwise you're being abused. Like your your rights have been taken taken away from you. And so you connect with your um the person the person's holding you holding you hostage. 
um, because it's really the only thing there. And then you start to kind of like connect in that way because you don't see any other choice really. Because the only well, the other choice is being like, I have no choice, and I'm going to die in this situation, and it can be a defensive mechanism. Again, it's very complex. Yeah. Um, so it's tough to know. It's tough to know that in those situations, again, there's other situations with Stockholm syndrome of like actual abuse, abuse, like like serious abuse. Because again, being, being held hostage is an abuse. You're taking away your freedoms and stuff. But in that specific situation of just sitting in a bank for a few days with some people, um, it's scary and it's horrific. But I'm not trying to play that down. But it's very different from if you've been like um, abducted for two years and mm -hmm. been sexually abused, been uh, neglected in many ways. And so the Stockholm syndrome um, becomes more complex um, depending on the, I guess, the situation. But in terms of governments, then going back to that point with um, us as people, because I include myself in this, because yeah, we, we, I don't ever see myself as being massively different in my awakening. Like I, I'm, I consider myself to be one percent more sort of consciously aware than most people, um, but at the same time, there's so many uh, behaviors and things that I do that are just conditioned by again the system. Um, and so, yeah, I think we all. I personally think we all have cases of Stockholm syndrome when it comes to governments. We um, bury our heads in the sand with so many things. Like the fact that, you know, I mean, we're just got to not get too political, maybe, but actually, I'll, I'll just talk about the Russian Ukraine war. But then, even just like that situation where the government tells us how to behave, and we just go, again, not all of <laughs> us, but we just kind of like, okay, because in certain situations, the government have been like, oh, we'll go in full, full guns blazing and stop the person and again it's more complex than just doing that but they have to do that in certain situations that benefit them if it doesn't benefit them they'll they'll not do it and it's like well isn't all war bad shouldn't we be trying to stop all war like why do we only why do we only get involved in some wars and not others like directly it's it's pretty um and again they, we just hold that oh it's best this way and yada 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 and that's a bit of an extreme situation other one nhs right now our healthcare system. Um, two years ago, we were clapping for carers. You know, every Thursday they told us that we had to go outside <laughs> and clap for the NHS people to tell them how much we love and respect them for the thought they're going through during COVID. And I, again, I have my own personal opinions on that um, in itself, but that is such propaganda. That is such Stockholm syndrome because everyone's just doing it because they like, they're being told that's what's right. And then nurses go on strike, doctors go on strike, et cetera, et cetera. The government's like, oh, they're trying to tear apart our country. They're, they're these nurses and um, they're, they're not doing what's right for the country and turning on them. And this the same people who are telling us to go clap for them are telling us to like neglect them and hate them for wanting to have better conditions and better pay again not even better pay like this the what, what they what they're by inflation's rate what they should have like they're all taking pay cuts because of um the economy mm -hmm. and 
the government's being like, no. And again, a lot of people will, without realizing, will be like, oh, well, actually, should they be striking? Uh, it's probably bad for a strike. And you're like, no, no, stop. Like, don't let the government again do this. But for some reason, we, yeah, we have this desire to connect with the bigger establishment, the bigger system, or we are taught to connect to and listen to and obey. Um, because I guess we would be punished otherwise, potentially. Yeah, there are several factors driving us to do that. So so one is we, we feel safe or, yeah. you know, it's an illusion, but we, we feel like there are protectors. And and the other other one you mentioned is uh, they can punish us if we leave, if we ignore them. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are some great examples. I, I think contradiction is, is a powerful thing to help people realize that they've been show. fed lies. Yeah. Um, we, we're almost out of time. I want to get your opinion on one last thing. I wonder if, if we agree on this or not. Um, when the Queen of England died recently, it was interesting to see some people sympathizing with the royal family and, and expressing their, their, their good feelings about royalty and, yeah. and the Queen on Facebook, for example. And I thought, wow, it's it's still more than I thought. <laughs> I mean, they, the, the royal family has pretty much no political power. They are very symbolic, you know, unlike um, unlike other countries where royalty still is pretty involved yeah. in, in decision making. Um, but still, in general, in, in Europe, there's no monarchy uh in in the sense of of how it used to be where they have all power you know yep. no no dictator that is also a king um but but what is your opinion um on people's sentiment about royalty it fascinates me it blows my mind if i'm for my from my perspective like um like people make comments about royalty being like they, they again they do so much they contribute so much for the economy blah, blah blah and maybe they do maybe it's a good thing for that but the the it's outweighed in my opinion by the symbolic nature of what they represent and what they've taken from us and all the land they own all the money they own the the fact that uh charles where is the king? I guess King Charles now. Mm -hmm. um, no, it wasn't him. No, it was Philip. It was when Philip when when um, it was when Prince Philip died. His in was it inheritance? No, it's sorry. Forgive me for this. There's two things. One was to do with the inheritance, um, and how they don't have to pay inheritance tax. Oh, they're exempt wow. from it because they're royalty. And also, the will from Prince Philip has is it won't be made public for like ninety years or something, huh. because they're protecting and that's that's technically illegal. Like under under law, that's technically illegal, but because exemptions were made through like for various reasons, mostly most likely because the amount of money that is actually controlled and owned 
by royalty. Like, it's insane. And so I don't think it outweighs it. So all this, like, perspective on, oh, let's all come together and um, have a national mourning baffles me. Like, it absolutely baffles me. It's just a person. Yeah. Like, um, you know, some random person down the road um, who, you know, could have passed away, could have done way more good, <laughs> helped way more people, done so much more, like, things that benefited the community and passed away. And two people turn up to their, like, funeral. Like, it's like, the, like people won't come together for it. People just like, ah, okay, it's, you know, it's, Thomas died. But for some reason, people queued for, like, days to pay respect to someone they never knew. Yeah. And again, that's all rhetoric. That's all, again, a propaganda of how we should uh, treat the royals. To me, they're, they're like Kardashians, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. Their fame is only an illusion. They don't contribute yeah. anything to society. Yeah. Uh, what shocked me, for example, was when it turned out some of them are pedophiles and yep. nobody cares. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's they all get swept from the carpet. But, again, but I was happy the... to see some demonstration during the memorial stuff. Yeah. Was, yeah. Where they where they would shout out at Andrew, you're you're a creep yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then the police would take away those demonstrators and take them to court. And then the courts had to decide, do we or don't we um incarcerate people who who speak out against royals? That wasn't even clear. And from what I heard, it, it turned out that after some debate, they did allow free speech against royals. Yeah. But it's like, again, it's, 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 it all comes, in my opinion, it all comes down to, again, fear. So, you know, we all um, have been taught most of our lives to um, that these are good people that help our country, that stand for democracy because they gave up the like the throne in their way, like they gave up their powers, even though they're still there. Um, but that's good. And then we um, are told to, um, yeah, respect them, etc. But we fear as a nation truth. And in my opinion, I mean, truth technically is, should, should be subjective. Um, objective, sorry. But um, in many ways, it's subjective. Then we, if we face the reality that we are being conned that mm. these people are doing everything they can to remain, to have power, to keep power, to keep their financial institutions, to keep their wealth and not give it back to the people. Then we let me realize that we're like, we're the problem. We take, have to take responsibility that we're the ones actually fueling this. Yeah. And we're scared to admit that like people are in denial. People don't want to admit that people don't want to admit that, um, there is much more happiness to be gained through getting to know the people around you. Spending more time with you, like again, like those community aspects, because it's an all illusion. Coming together for a national day of mourning, it's it's not real. I mean, again, like ultimately, who defines what's real? So maybe I should be less critical, but um, it just seems so shallow. I, uh, in another episode, I would like to talk about the the thing you just mentioned. How um, our 
idea of, of how the world works, how our life works, what is necessary for us to have peace and, and a working economy and so on is all a house of cards. Yeah. Um, and we can't imagine that it that these things could work any other way. Yes, um, again, fear of change, fear of difference. And that the fear of the collapse is subconscious and therefore we don't even realize why we support crazy claims in science, in medicine, in politics, in economics, in education, <laughs> everywhere. It's we we become irrational. Yeah. And and insane because of yeah. that. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting topic too. So I'm glad to see we do stand on on the same <laughs> side. Oh yeah. When, when it comes to I, I, get, I get into a lot I get into a lot of trouble because again a lot of people still do have a deep um connection that they've created to these figureheads um and we could talk more about where that might come from yeah. i believe it comes from religion i believe yeah. that that if you need to go into history to understand more oh, yes. about yeah, yeah. about why we have and want power structures you know it comes from the or why why is the pope more <laughs> more powerful than the emperor and stuff like that yeah and, and then it power just gets passed on and royal families are just rich mafia bosses, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why they're in power, not because there's some special person. <laughs> they took it. They took it. They took the power in the future. They, they claim it to be the divine nature from God. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to stay in those places. And again, it's politics. It's all um, dealings with people to stay in power, you know, and conflicts and... The next fifty years will be interesting to see because again, King Charles has come in in this country, and if it just if it does just wither away, because I don't think people actually wanted him to be king. Like, right? Yeah. Even, even people that supported the royal side of things, they were not actually wanting him to be king. They wanted to jump to William, but he's trying to hold on to some power and have some <laughs> level of uh, um, his time almost. So it will be interesting. But it's also like you say, it's Kardashians. It's a it's a soap opera. So there's constantly things that happen that keep them relevant in the media. And again, propaganda, marketing, all these kinds of different things, uh, all part and parcel of maintaining the status quo. And we're all about change. Yeah. And Flexibility, growth. Yeah. Ad adaptation. Oh, I'm encouraged by the, the changes, uh, by the awakening that is happening in general. Yeah. I, it's just a feeling I have. I don't speak to many people about this kind of thing. Yeah, but but when I see an opening, I, I do like to ask them, um, and it's encouraging to see. I, I think yes, a lot of hope. there is reason for optimism. Yeah, there's definitely it's a lot of hope. Facing our fears, facing our traumas, over time, we will get there, and the change will happen. <laughs>